Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This is episode number 1,238 with George Mumford. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome back, my friend. Today's guest is George Mumford, who I had such a pleasure sitting down with. And George is a globally recognized speaker, teacher, and coach. Since 1989, he's been honing his gentle but groundbreaking mindfulness techniques with people from all walks of life, but most notably professional athletes like Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and Michael Jordan, who credits George with transforming his on-court leadership and helping the Bulls to six NBA championships. And he's written the book, The Mindful Athlete, Secrets to Pure Performance, as well as a new course to dive deeper into his lessons in the book. And in this episode, we discuss what separates the 1% of high performers from the rest. We dive into the five superpowers we can all focus on to be the best versions of ourselves. the practical steps to stop living in fear, the greatest lesson George learned from coaching mindfulness to great athletes like Kobe, Michael Jordan, Shaq, and so many others, and so much more. I think you're going to love this one. And if you do, Make sure to share this with a few friends, text some friends, post it on social media, and make sure to tag me and George as well over on social media. And if you are new here, please click the subscribe button over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify right now for the School of Greatness so you can stay up to date on the latest greatest from this show every single week. We've got some incredible content coming up, so make sure to click subscribe right now. And also, if you know someone that would love this show, share this with a few people, text some friends, post it on social media, and spread the message out there to the world. And leave us a review. If you're enjoying this, let me know what part of this episode you'd enjoyed the most from this episode. You can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And a big shout out to today's fan of the week from Xavier, who said, I've been tuning in regularly to the School of Greatness podcast for the past couple of months. I'm always impressed by the range of excellent topics and expert speakers. The learnings and insights are invaluable. And to Lewis and team, thank you for the great work you continue to do. Big shout out to everyone who is helping us create this show, build this show, and serve humanity in a bigger way. It's been such a joy to be of service to each and every one of you who listen on a consistent basis. Whether your first episode is right now or you've been here for nine years, we're just so grateful for your support and for spreading the message forward to others in your life that you think would be inspired by this message. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only George Mumford. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work, and a lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, but how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? That's why I'm a huge advocate for investing in myself, because I deserve it, and so do you. And I make sure to prioritize therapy, coaching, self-care, and all of the above. And this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy and I want to remind you to take care of your most important relationship, the one you have with yourself. 
BetterHelp offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's also much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. School of Greatness listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash greatness. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash greatness. Are you looking to take control of your health? Well, one way to do that is to check GoodRx and finally stop overpaying for your prescription medications. Prescription prices can vary between pharmacies by as much as $100, meaning you're never sure what you're going to pay. Not only will GoodRx find you discounts, it will also let you compare and find the lowest prices at pharmacies near you, like CVS, Kroger, Walgreens, Rite Aid, Vons, and more. Now you'll always know what you're paying before you get to the pharmacy. Even if you have insurance or Medicare, GoodRx often beats your copay price. And I actually have a team member who was prescribed a brand name medication, but her insurance would only cover the generic brand and she had side effects with the generic brand so she was forced to pay out of pocket for the brand name with GoodRx she's able to save a lot of money on her meds so for simple smart savings on your prescriptions check GoodRx go to goodrx.com slash greatness that's goodrx.com slash greatness goodrx.com slash greatness and GoodRx is not insurance but can be used instead of insurance in 2021 GoodRx users saved an average of 79% on retail prescription prices I speak from experience when I say the best way to stay consistent with your fitness and health goals this year is to switch things up. It'll make it easier to stay excited for your workout each day. And of course, it can be hard to always come up with your own new type of workout routines, which is why I love Peloton. They always are coming out with new stuff to help switch up your exercises. The Peloton Bike and Bike Plus are releasing new classes, new music, and new ways to keep your workouts fun and motivating. Keep your workouts interesting. This is key. Peloton has a workout for every goal, day, and mood. De-stress from a long day with 30 minutes of strength and 20 minutes of cardio or do a quick 15-minute total body class before work. Stay motivated while having fun with bike workouts, yoga, meditation, dance cardio, and more. And I want to see you achieve your goals. So make sure to visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. That's O-N-E. P-E-L-O-T-O-N dot com. What do you think is the difference between the 1% of the athletes or the leaders that you've worked with mentally? What is the difference between the top 1% of high performers than the 2 to 100%? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the difference there? The willingness to succeed. Mm. When, when they've done this study and they ask coaches and experts, what is the one thing is the willingness to succeed? The willingness and you might call it uh, the pursuit of excellence. Uh, you could talk about never quitting and having a goal that says, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to take it to, a, to the next level. So it's the, the hunger and the thirst. You have, to, you have to go for it. It's not something that's going to come to you. It's something that you have to pursue. There's a lot of people that don't have, they don't have hunger. They're not no, hungry. How no. do you train someone, or is that not yes. something you can train? Yes. So it's interesting because I've done a lot of research and study on this, even on my own. I had a sense of urgency. You had a sense of urgency. Some people have to create a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. And, and before I was motivated by, you know, my butt being on fire or just survival, just wanting to get get to, to live in. But you can create a sense of urgency by creating a possibility, a vision of possibility, 
that you want to live into mm-hmm. or you, you want to serve more people or something. So initially it was me just getting out of that, you know, butt on fire. Then what I, the game I'm playing now, and I'm pursuing excellence and wisdom with grace and ease. So there's a hunger for me to want to get to the next level, to want people to help people get to the next level. And to me, it's about helping people understand they have a masterpiece and that their job is to express it and share it with the rest of us. But it's an inside job and only they can do it. So unless they have the will and the desire and to do it, but not just say do it, but I'm, I'm, I have this will to succeed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get there. Yes. And so that's the 1%. That's 1% that says I am responsible and I have a masterpiece inside of me or I have greatness inside of me. And it's my job to develop it and express it. Yeah. And that's why it's so challenging because if you want more than the other person, then that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But if you can help them discover that they have this, this greatness inside of them, this masterpiece that, that, has, that can be developed and it can only be developed by them. So let's say you're, there's a lot of really good athletes out there. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of really good humans, good people at their jobs, but they stay good and they don't transcend to the next level for themselves. Not meaning they have to be the best in the world at what they do, but they stay very comfortable. You know, maybe they did well in college as an athlete, but they didn't take it to the next level because they didn't have the desire or the willingness or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Maybe someone stayed well at their job for 10 years, but they, they got to a level of comfort, but they didn't want to grow and develop their skills to another level to see what's possible. Mm-hmm. How can you inspire, evoke, empower people that are at a good level, that, that have, have been stuck there for a while, mm-hmm. that haven't been willing to do what it takes to see what their true masterpiece is? Is there a level of coaching? Is it a... It's what I said, you have to create a, a, a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Because why would they change? They're, like I'd be working with young athletes and say, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm chilling. Yeah, relaxing. And I say, chilling ain't going to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, you can be chilling, but you got to be willing. <laughs> yeah. So you can chill now, but then you have to step to the next thing. So the way that it works, especially if you're thinking about getting in a flow, you got to look at it as a step function. Mm. Because once you get to a certain level, then it becomes normal. And so if you don't challenge yourself, it's like a step function. And the high challenges will get you revved up and, and you have to have uh, a vision of possibility. We live in the future we see. So if you're, if you're not uncomfortable, then you're probably not learning. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean being uncomfortable all the time, but I talk about getting comfortable being uncomfortable, which means keep moving and increasing your capacity to grow, learn, and experience life in different ways. And that's what it comes down to. So it's an inside job. Without the, the, the will, mm-hmm. they're not doing it. And the will, some, some people look at will as having three components. One component is motivation. One component is commitment. But the third component is security or confidence. And so people who have a strong self-efficacy like myself, like you, that we embrace the challenge. We see things as a challenge Absolutely. and uh, an adventure and, and something to, to move towards. So we're always trying to expand in capacity, you know, our capacity, but we have this, this 
this adventurous spirit that says, I don't know how, how far I can take this, but I'm just going to take it as far as I can take it. And it's fun, and it's something that I know um, creating a service for others. I want to help mm-hmm. others by expressing or being a leader in terms of how am I going to not get so comfortable that I'm chilling. And when you get to that 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 phase of, of you know, even boredom or just relaxed and, you know, just sort of satisfied, that's when you have to challenge yourself. And right. if you challenge yourself, then you can, you have to raise everything to, to meet that challenge. And unless you do that, you're, that's where the self-regulation comes in. And that's why when you talk about a MJ or Kobe, some of those, those guys like that, Tom Brady, there's a lot of them out there. I'm not naming all of them. Of course, you know, the ones that are there now, mm-hmm. you know, I could name them all. But it, what it comes down to is you will know them by their fruits, right? You will know them by their ability to not settle and the ability to keep getting better. If you think of Steph Curry last year, he knew he wasn't going to, mm-hmm. well, I can't speak for him, but it was pretty obvious they weren't going to win without Clay. But he took his game to a whole other level. And see, that's the thing. If Clay was there, would he have been doing that? Mm. Probably not, because the situation probably didn't call for him to be extraordinary. And that's why if you think about going to a team that's already loaded, you might win championships, but you really have to look at, this is my opinion, whether or not you're challenged enough mm-hmm. right. so that you can get out of your comfort zone and go to that next level. Without that sense of urgency, you can't do it, or unless you're committed to excellence and you're, you're taking it to the next level. So let me give you an example of that. I can lot about MJ, but let's just talk about Kobe for, for a moment. So Kobe won a championship in 2009. Mm-hmm. I think so I have it right. You were working with him then? Uh, when they come to Boston, yeah. I've always been, when they come to Boston, I work with them, talk with them. The process they use are the one that we developed when I was here in, in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. So that's what I'm talking about. It's like, okay, you won, but you want to go to the next level. So you... You know, when you retire, you can reflect on, but you got to keep getting better because now the, te- the team knows you won. Every team is going to be coming for you. Yeah. Coming for you. So you have to keep getting better. It's progressive realization of a worthy ideal. So you're not there, but it's in that day to day, just making today your masterpiece, getting better today. It's that incremental process. And that's what I mean. And there's other people that do that. I don't have to name names. People don't realize that Tom Brady probably spends 10 to 12 hours a day in the off season yep. getting ready now he's 44 now he just came this close from from going to the next level at the defense held mm-hmm. he probably knowing him he would have got the ball and scored and they would have won but that's a mindset it was 27 to 6 There's no quit that probably just inspired him even more yeah so that's what i'm talking about that sure. idea so it's not about how do we get them it's how do we help them go inside and make that become willing mm-hmm. to go to the next level? Because some people just don't want to do that. They, they're not interested. That's why they say many are called, few are chosen. Ooh. It's, it's, about, it's about you having a vision, a possibility for yourself that, that has to do with being great or helping others be great by being a role model yeah. by taking it to the next level. What happens when people stay comfortable for year after year after year and they don't challenge themselves? What happens to them? They become uh, relaxed and bored. Mm. That's what boredom, we spend most of our time between boredom and anxiety. So if you look at it that way, 
So you're bored or you're relaxed, but you're just a couple of levels up from boredom. But if you're bored or if you're anxious, it's saying to you, if you're bored, you need to challenge yourself more. You need to have mm. goal setting and set goals. Or as Steve Harvey said on the video I heard, he said the reason people have a hard time getting up in the morning is because they don't have a good enough reason for them to get up. So you want to create a, a raison d'etre or a way of being where you you uh, jump up like a kid at Christmas. So Christmas Eve, you can't go to sleep because you know it's going to be. So you have to have that kind of a process where you you are getting up and you're going at it because it makes you feel alive. It makes you feel like you're, you're making a difference. Mm -hmm. And I would say it. what we're really talking about is people being who they are and not somebody that they're supposed to be or somebody wants them to be, but coming from that masterpiece. And when you're being real, so it's like... We used to talk about it when I worked in the corporate structure. You have, you know, Hump Wednesday, TGIF Friday. <laughs> like So five-sevenths of the time you're doing something you're not happy about. Mm -hmm. When in actuality, why not have it be 7-7? Seven, seven? So having a, a work, and it's interesting because I was just reflecting. I was reading this book by Eric Butterworth called um, Spiritual Economics. And in there, he, he talked about what's been my experience. It's not... So the job may not be that great, but it's what you bring to the job and how you apply yourself. And it's interesting because it's not so much about the compensation, it's about your soul growth. It's about you growing as a person, just being fully engaged in everything. And, uh, and I think Jesus talked about this, about going the extra mile. You know, like I guess back in the day there, the, the Romans could say, okay, I want you to carry this a mile. He said, go two miles. And so this idea of giving more than what you get, and there's something about applying yourself, be fully engaged, your whole mind, body, heart, and soul engaged. So that's what that's what healing is, is wholeness. So just mm -hmm. fully engaging yourself, or, in, or as in the Zen they say, burn yourself in the activity, do not leave a trace. So fully engaged, fully present, just doing it, and what you bring to it is what makes the difference. Yeah. And it's interesting because I'm thinking about this book I read called um, The Way of Man. They talk about this idea of just fully, just fully burning yourself in the activity, just mm -hmm. losing yourself, just really, just really, uh, because what, why, what is that about? It's like, so he talks about this idea of what can man do that angels can't do? And the answer to that is, that we men or men with a woman with holy intent can make, you know can hallow anything we can make something holy just by intention so we can make something hallow holy whole just by our intention so that's what we can do we can intend to make things holy we can make heaven here now mm -hmm. just by bringing that love that compassion that presence that's fully committed and a productive act of love. That's what love is. Love. Yeah. When you love something, you you help it grow. Right. So it's the intention. So do you have to stay in the job? I was in a job I didn't want to be in. Or I woke up and I'm making missiles. I just worked for Northrop uh, back in the day, 16 years working on that stuff. And then I went to a high tech after that. But it was really more about, and I got into that job. How did I end up being a financial analyst, getting an accounting degree? Because my high school coach told me they make money. Mm -hmm. So I did it. So I did what I thought I was supposed to do. And it wasn't until I, I stopped that I started doing what I wanted to do. So I go from working in corporate, wearing a three-piece suit, 
going back to graduate school, mm -hmm. studying the soft sciences, like psychology. And then I'm mm -hmm. there with people who are in the soft sciences wanting to go into business because they want to make money. <laughs> and they look at me like, dude, what's wrong with you? Ah, you come in here with a three-piece suit trying to do what we're doing. And it was very simple. That's because I was following my bliss. I was yeah. doing what I was supposed to do. It had nothing to do with what the conversation was. It had to do with me getting into a situation where I could fully express myself, be fully in, all mm -hmm. in. I think you talk about that a lot, mm -hmm. being all in. Yeah. And and it's what I bring to it. And of course that 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 can change, but what what can't change is me being fully engaged in the moment with as much love and joy and compassion as I can have. Yeah. Something you mentioned there was uh, healing is wholeness. Of the people that you train at the 1%, it seems to be like a lot of those people have a chip on their shoulder. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host they have something where they're maybe not always but it's like there was a pain somewhere that drove them to be great mm -hmm. correct me if i'm wrong when i was training as an athlete i was very driven to be great to prove people wrong mm -hmm. people that hurt me or the pains that i went through mm -hmm. or the the sadness I felt, the, the being picked on and all those things. I was like, I'm gonna become so big, so athletic, so strong, so needed that you know, I'm gonna prove them wrong. And it worked. It got me to achieving results and mm -hmm. being like the captain of my team and playing professional football, all these different things. But I always, when I would achieve my goals, I felt so empty and alone and, ang mm -hmm. and angry. It's almost like it was like, well, this isn't what, I thought it was supposed to heal me. And it didn't. And then I went for a bigger goal, bigger goal. We kind of mm -hmm. talked about this before a little bit. And um, it wasn't until I started doing the healing work that I was able to create from a place of peace and love and generosity as, mm -hmm. as, as opposed to, I got this chip on my shoulder, I gotta keep showing up and mm -hmm. like proving these people wrong or whatever. Do you think most of the top performers in the world create and, and build from a place of, there's something that's still not healed or whole inside of them? Or do you know some that you worked with who have completely healed or on a healing journey and they're creating their masterpiece at a high level from wholeness? I think, and I'll speak about it this way because I don't get into people's hearts. And I mean, I do, but I don't want to talk about people's hearts sure. because I have to talk to them. And even if they express to me what it is, it may not be what it is. It's their interpretation right, of right, what it is. Right. And I watch their behavior. I think what's important is Maybe that gets you there, that mm -hmm. anger, or gets you to prove people wrong. Because I, I was like that too. When you told me I couldn't do something, oh, I'm gonna you show had a you. tiger, I would show <laughs> you. But what happens is at some point, you're right, that's empty because that's, that's coming from a place of fear. Mm -hmm. and so I talk about coming from, you know, you're either coming from love or fear. And when you're coming from fear, you're in survival mode, which is that flight, fight, and freeze or growth mode or love mode where it's rest and digest, it's something that's coming inside of you. It's an expression of you, 
and something to come from the inside out, not something coming from the outside in. Mm-hmm. And so even though you get there initially by that, you can't sustain that. And as you mentioned, it's this emptiness there. There's, there's no meaning there there's, because you're not whole. You're just acting out of fear instead of coming out of love where you can have your whole being be engaged in it. So even though, like I'll use the example, so there were, I used to work in prison to do mindfulness-based stress reduction and, and um, recovery units, people who have substance abuse. And some of them, they would mandate it to be in the program. And so I used to teach where it was voluntary and they mm. were very different people were mandated and said, well, I'm forced to be here. And I said, yeah, there's some choice. You got here out of force, mm-hmm. but you can decide to be here for you now. You can decide instead of letting somebody's bad behavior affect you or your bad behavior or you being in doing something you don't want to do, you can choose to do it for yourself. You can choose to change how you look at that and the way it is healing. So you can say, okay, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I might as well be here for me, even though they got me here, but I can fight it or I can just embrace it and say, okay, how can I find myself in this mix? As Hans Selye talked about, in this place, there's an opportunity for me to express myself, to me to get in touch with myself. And it's an inside job to do it for myself. And so that's, so I can't speak to all of those athletes, but I think at some point, the ones that are, are the happy mm-hmm. are the ones, because if you do that and you're not in the field anymore or in that sport, how do you deal with life? Because now you don't have that ex- place that to express that, that yeah. outlet. Whereas, yeah, it gets you there, but why not be there for yourself and then deal with the whole person? You know, how you feel, you know, your body is physical, your mind is a mental, the heart is emotional, social, and, and your soul, your spirit, that you want all of those aspects of yourself to be, be there. And so when we talk about the spiritual thing, it's like how do you embrace how do you get out of survival mode in a growth mode and then embracing those parts of yourself that that haven't been so helpful that you have to make peace with that we all make mistakes and so that those two wolves I talk about this idea of the two wolves with the Cherokee grandfather telling his grandson mm-hmm. I have two wolves with this ferocious battle inside of me and the grandson's concerned and says which wolf will win says the one we feed so we both have that those two wolves in us, but it's a question of which one we're going to feed. So the fear wolf gets us there, but then once we get there, can we just start feeding the love wolf? Mm-hmm. And this idea of getting beyond the illusion of separateness and being a service. And I, I like to call it, forget yourself to find yourself. Forget yourself. To find yourself. Mm-hmm. So when you give yourself a service, and you help other people, you're also helping yourself. But you have to get to a place where you have something to give. So you have to develop enough so that you can actually uh, mm-hmm. give. And so a lot of things we give, we can give money, but when we can give our time, we can give our heart, we can give our soul, That I think that pays a bigger dividend. Yeah. You talk about superpowers in order to achieve your goal. Mm-hmm. I think there's five superpowers you talk about. Right. What are those, and, and why are these important to develop? Yes. So I talk about mindfulness, this effort or diligence, this focus, concentration, this insight or wisdom, and faith, good mm-hmm. faith last. So they're all connected. So for me to be mindful, 
what what I talk about being mindful is having a mirror mind or being able to see, let things be as they are, like they're in the mirror, just interpreting them or letting them speak to you in their own language instead wow. of us interpreting them. So it's like being vulnerable and letting the unfolding moment unfold without you interfering. And so what you want to do is you want to create, you want to elongate the perceptual process. So first there's a very short time where there's, where the raw data is there. And then immediately associative thinking, abstract associative thinking, like, oh, I remember the last time this happened, abstract thinking, uh, selfing or self-importance, all of that stuff. And of course, the way the, the, the visual system works is it, it's trying to relate what's happening based on what we've already experienced instead of seeing it in fresh and new ways. So we have to create this ability because as human beings, we have this ability to, to sit back and watch things as a silent witness without being critical. And that's what it is, uncritical observation. Are seeing things in a certain way and, mm. and that when we create space between stimulus and response, we start to be able to see things as they are, not as we remember them or as our mindset that we happen to be in is interpreting it in a certain way instead of seeing the raw data. So we want to be able to be mindful. So you have to have faith. You have to realize, like, like um, Einstein said, the most important question to ask yourself is, is this a friendly or unfriendly universe? Mm. And let's just go with the friendly. If it's a friendly universe, then you will use all your resources to understand how things work and then align yourself with how things work, like gravity. You don't have to believe in gravity. It works. If you align yourself with gravity, you'll be okay. And so you have to have the faith that what you're going to do is actually going to be possible and it's going to be helpful. So you have to have the faith to make the effort to be mindful. But then you need, so we're talking about faith, we're talking about effort then you have to have the focus, the here and now, you know, being able to be mm. locked in so that you could be mindful. And then you also need the wisdom or understanding, what am I being mindful of? And what are the essentials? What's, what's, the, what's the principles involved? Right. And so all of those things are always working. So mindfulness helps us cultivate effort or this idea of being diligent, like the sustained effort. We can't do anything without the sustained effort, but the effort to do what we say we're going to do and just just to keep doing it until we get it, not yeah. quitting, not giving yeah. up and that sort of thing. But that's really more mental to get into it because when you're in a positive mind state, then it's easier to do it. If you're coming from love rather than fear, let's just talk about that, that wolf, those two. How does someone get it more into love, though, if they've been living in fear their whole life? Well, they're recognizing they're in fear and understanding how it's not helpful and how to get out of fear. Well, how do they get out of it? Yeah, so this is part of my effort. It's like you're in fear once you notice that you're reacting to things instead of responding to things. And if you can pause and notice that you're reacting, and then, well, how do I not react? Be still and know by just stepping back and instead of leaping in and interpreting, just let it speak to you. But you have to be vulnerable. That's where the, fear, the faith comes in and that sort of thing. By being that, then once you say, oh, when this happens, this happens. And if I want to change something, I have to change I have to self-regulate. I have to change my thinks, my thoughts, my feelings, my my behavior. Mm -hmm. And so you understand how do I not be fear? Noticing you're in fear, and realize that you're in survival mode. And if you can just breathe and focus on one thing, and get your nervous system into rest and digest or focus, generating what I call a hall of fame, HOF, a hall, of, a fame. hall of fame. Yeah, 
hope, optimism, faith. Okay. So if you get into a positive mind state, it's called the broadening build theory. When you're coming from optimism, hope, faith, then your cognitive functioning is enhanced. So you actually start to see, instead of being locked on channel five, there's 200 channels. Yeah. And then by opening up, you say, oh, there it is right there. So you have to be able to to understand that's what we call right effort. How do you abandon an unwholesome mindset like fear? So one way you can do that is do the opposite of fear. That's love. Another way you can do it is understanding the consequences of coming out of fear. What's holding you back from that, yeah. Okay, so if I'm in fear, then I'm, I'm gonna be reacting and I'm not gonna be able to create space between stimulus and response. And in that space, I get to align with my, with my core values, with my goal, with my aim, right? So that's the third thing is to, to you know, divert your attention from it to something else. So if I focus on what I want, or I focus on how, what's going to work, mm-hmm. then I'm not, I can't have two things in my mind at once. So right. If I focus on what I want right, versus what I didn't want, then that changes it. So you divert your attention to it. So that's the that's a third way. The fourth way, I'll just talk about four today, is you actually turn towards the fear and you say, okay, when fear is present, I notice that, it, that there's this tightness. I notice that I have tunnel vision. I notice that it's keeping me small and like choking, I can't breathe. And if I understand, so I get intimate with fear. So I know, oh, fear is here and it's okay. Just breathe through it. Just feel whatever the fear is in your yeah. body and just let it be there. You know, yeah. just notice it. This is, but if I can breathe with it, I can open with it and say, it's okay because I'm not reacting to it. I'm actually creating space and then mm. now I'm not reacting. So an example of the fear, I had this fear of talking in public. Mm-hmm. And I would get up and I was in this program called Toastmasters. I did it too. And yeah. I get up there and I'm at the podium and I'm shaking. And the more I tried not to shake, I shook. So at the time I was in graduate school and I was studying paradoxical intention. This is Victor Frankl. And mm-hmm. he was saying that instead of running away from the fear, embrace it. And so I decided I was going to be a shaking fool when I got up there. And when I got up there, I stopped shaking. So the only way out is always through. Mm-hmm. So the fear is, and then we talk about exposure therapy. So the thing you fear to do, just do it a little bit in increments that are manageable, uncomfortable, hard to do, but doable. Then what happens is you actually create this, what they call exposure therapy. The more you're exposed to it, the less it, it affects you. So there's all of these different ways, but it's really embracing the fear and generating the hope and saying, okay, there's a lesson here for me to get, and if I look at fear as an acronym for false evidence appearing real, or some fears are healthy, like fear of being hit by a car when you're walking mm-hmm. across the street or touching a hot, hot thing. So it's really understanding when fear arises, I embrace it, and by embracing it and working through it, it is no longer fear. It's just a reaction, and we're learning from it. We respond yeah. to it, and so you embrace it, and you get comfortable being uncomfortable, and by embracing the fear and understanding it, it no longer is fear. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest fear you've had to overcome? Being myself. When did you learn that? <laughs> I didn't learn that. I just observed myself <laughs> self-sabotaging and being uncomfortable. So this is what Marianne Williamson said. Our greatest fear is, is you know, is not embracing our, our masterpiece, our divinity, but it's just uncomfortable. And we know the nervous system, if something is unpleasant, 
it's going to avoid it. And if it's pleasant, it moves towards it. And if it's neither, it spaces out. So we're afraid of our greatness. But it's by embracing that greatness that, mm. that we can, um, we have this, once again, that exposure therapy, just taking it a little bit more. Yeah. So I do it more and more. But it's, yeah, my greatness. And it's not something I thought about. It was just something I observed. When did you realize that you weren't fully being yourself? Like, how old were you? I think when I was in recovery in 1984. I was about 32 and a half, something like that. When I started, real, I started getting glimpses of it, realizing, oh, there's more to it because I lived in my own little fantasy. But just to open up and to see uh, that I was responsible and that I could choose my response and, and stuff like that, I realized that on some level I was hiding out in plain sight. Just like those folks that that uh, don't want to, don't get up, you can't keep up, as mm -hmm. Vin Diesel says, wasn't interested in getting up. So that's it. But it's really fear, the process of fear is probably the main thing. But that's how it manifests and not realizing. And you know how it feels to realize that you're afraid of your greatness? You really feel like a loser when you do that. Ooh. But that's uh, just a thought. It's not reality. It's just, yeah. okay. That's one way to look at it. Or another way to look at it is... Fear is um, sort of taking care of yourself. Oh, I can't do that. That's afraid. So self-care can be looked at. I mean, fear can be looked at as self-care. And it's, it's not self-care that's helpful or effective. Mm -hmm. But it's a form of, of survival. And that's what we call survival mode. That's yeah. what that is. It's like a prey animal. When did you learn how to overcome self-sabotage? And how can people do that today? learn if they've been doing that in their relationships or their career how do they learn to stop doing that by observing by uh, by noticing that you got to get into your into love mode you got to get in a positive mind state mm -hmm. and look at it as a, a, a uncritical observation you got the the mindfulness you have to be able to see it without judging and just see how things arise and fade away and then think about what well, how do I get out of it? How did so-and-so get out of it? What does the research tell me? What are the role models out there that have overcome their fear? And then ask them or read the books and just study. You know, I've been been in recovery going on 38 years. I've averaged over a book a week. Wow. So my way, the best stress reducer is, best stress reduction or dealing with fear is wisdom, understanding. Because as Frankl says, because we're really talking about suffering, right? Victor Frankl says, Su suffering ceases to be suffering when we find meaning in it. Mm -hmm. So when you find meaning in it, then it ceases to be suffering. So we <laughs> got to touch our suffering. We have to go into it and we have to understand it. For some reason, it's hard to understand the meaning of suffering when we're in it sometimes. That's right. It's, it's, I always look back and I'm like, man, that was a rough time in my life, but I wouldn't change a thing because it helped me overcome this adversity right. and it helped That's me right. learn this skill and it helped right. me have more courage or whatever it is. But it's like when you're in it, you're, you can't, it, I shouldn't say you can't, it's hard sometimes to really step back and have wisdom and observe, oh, I'm in this Unless you have a habit of doing that. Yeah, unless you're And unless you're it. able to feel it in your body and uh -huh. step away and get yes. out of the mindset. But this is the whole thing. It's, it's creating this ability to observe experiences, no matter how challenging it is, from this silent witness and not doing anything, but mm -hmm. just observing and asking what is this and, 
and how is it manifesting. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. That's why you got to get out of survival mode and get into growth mode. Mm-hmm. If you're reacting to things, there's no way you can do it because there's no space to do anything but react. But if we reflect on it and then we look at it and reflect it and say, okay, I reacted. What training do I need to do? What learning and, and mm-hmm. practicing do I need to do so the next time I can create a little bit more space, yeah. a little bit more space. Then once I create the space, then I can really see. But you're right. When you're in that mode, that consciousness, that consciousness is like a, a tractor field that only allows you to have certain options. Mm-hmm. And so you have to raise your consciousness or, or expand your ability to pause, slow things down. And in that space, learn from your mistakes. And then at some point you understand, oh, here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. But it's an inside job and it's something that you have to practice. Yes. So if you're going to do it and just say, I did it last week and I don't want to do it this <laughs> week, but you're not learning and practicing anything, mm-hmm. then how do you expect right. to not do the same thing? So you have to actually reflect on experience because the true understanding reflects on comes from reflecting on experience. So how did, how did I... I did this. How can I do it differently? Well, first thing you got to understand, if you don't look at it differently or if you don't have a different mindset, you're going to keep doing the same thing. So that's why you got to get out of survival mode into growth mode. Yes. Or that, that hope, optimism, faith I talked about. Mm-hmm. Or the willing suspension of disbelief and saying, okay, why don't I try it this way? But once right. you change, this is what Dr. Wayne Dyer said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm-hmm. So it's the perspective from which you are observing experience that's the the whole thing, your mindset. If I have on the fear glasses, then I'm going to be looking. If I have on the love glasses, then I have on possibility. Mm-hmm. If I come from half full, that's abundance. If I come from a half empty, I'm coming from scarcity. Yeah, It totally changes everything. But if you just notice, oh, I'm in fear, get out of fear and be in love, then, you're, then you're, it'll be clear to you what you need to do. 100% agree. And I, and I remember... For probably most of my life, feeling like I would get in these waves. Sometimes it'd be a good season of life, and sometimes it seems like, oh man, I'm in breakdown mode, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt like stuck and I couldn't get out. And I remember it was something happened four years ago where I went through a challenging moment in my life, and it felt like, oh wow, this is a this felt like a heavy moment, like a season, right? A few mm-hmm. months of heaviness. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, I think because I'd experienced a few different seasons of that in the past, like 15, 20 years, I remember thinking to myself, oh, okay, a lot is happening. It was almost so emotionally and mentally overwhelming. I was like, okay, I've been here before. And every time I've been here, three, four, five, six years later, I look back on it and say, I'm so grateful for what that taught me. Mm -hmm. So I would reflect back and have wisdom. So whatever reason, this happened four years ago, I decided when something was challenging, I said, I'm gonna reflect forward and have wisdom. Like I know this is gonna be happening for me and I Mm -hmm. just have to wait six months, a year, Mm -hmm. two years until I'm gonna see the benefits and the fruits of this. Mm -hmm. And it worked. It helped me stay in peace mode, not reaction mode. Helped me focus on love, Mm -hmm. what I can control, not what I couldn't control. And it put me back on my mission. Like, mm-hmm. how can I improve? What's the lesson? What's my mm-hmm. mission? Not, how can I be angry at the world or whatever? Mm-hmm. And it was a beautiful experience to reflect forward for me. I don't know if that's something you teach as well in kind yes. of like moving forward, but Most it's definitely. like time travel Yes. and see yourself yeah. a year or two away. Yes. yes, so you live into the future, you see. So when something bad happens, we, look, we see it happening again. So what, what, what are we really talking about here? 
Lewis, we're talking about something happens, then we interpret what it means. Yes. So in the interpretation, if you interpret it as from survival mode, then it, things are going to get worse. Uh -huh. You interpret it from love. You see it, okay, what's the lesson here? How do I learn it's going to be okay? That's where all those, like the faith and the effort and the mindfulness and the concentration and the wisdom, they all come in and you just look at it and say, okay, I interpreted it this way before and this is what I got. So I don't want that, so I have to do something different. This is with self-regulation. So something happens, why not interpret it in a way that empowers you, motivates you, inspires you? And that's what you did. Yeah. And, and that's the whole point. The whole point is we learn from mistakes. We are not our mistakes. And that's the challenge we have. We make a mistake and we identify with it instead of realizing, no, it's just behavior. It's not who you are. It's just, it's an event. But then we carry it. So when you were talking about that and all of that carry on, I was thinking about when I worked with baseball and softball players, when you haven't got a hit, each time you go up, you keep adding on to the drama. The pressure. So you're yeah. going up with a 16, 20 pound vest on instead of saying what Yogi Berra, one of, one, of, one of my philosophers, when they asked him about that, he said, I ain't no slump. I just ain't hitting. Yeah. <laughs> so what he's really saying is I just have to get a hit, but I'm not bringing those other 16 at bats into the moment with me. Just let them go. But more importantly, reflect on those 16 and see in each case, what could you have done differently to get mm -hmm. a hit? So now you don't look at the string. You look at, okay, what do I need to change? What are the, what are the principles involved in getting a hit? Seeing the, seeing the ball, you know, having my hands right, you know, being ready, having to relax, uh, having the confidence is your mindset. There's a certain mindset mm -hmm. that you need to have. And then physically, you got to have your body ready. But more importantly, you have to have this idea that you're going to do well. Yeah. That you have a, what we call outcome expectation. Mm -hmm. You expect things to turn out. Just like what you talked about. Oh, no, this is happening, but I expect it to turn out. So now you can let go to grow. And you can say, okay, this is just a stepping stone. It's not a roadblock. So it's all about the mindset. It's all about this growth mindset that says, okay, everything that happens, I need to reflect on it and understand what worked, what didn't work, and, and then figure out what didn't yeah. work, how to make it work. So that's the thing we have to focus on. This moment, not the previous 16 at-bats, but this at-bat and just focusing on it. And that's how uh, MJ or Kobe can go in the fourth quarter before three for, three for 11 or something like that, and then Hit you the know, game winner. Hit the game winner <laughs> yeah. because it's always about resetting and beginning again. Make a mental note how, okay, I have to keep my arm in. But you expect to make the next shot, but you forget about the previous shots other than understanding, okay, I've not used, you know, my legs. Or you saw it in the last dance. Michael, you know, he was tired, so he didn't get his legs in it. So when he hit that last shot, he didn't make it. For style, he put follow-up on it because mm -hmm. all his short shots were short. So he was adapting in real time to what happened. Mm -hmm. And that's what the key is. Don't focus on what happened before. Focus on the moment and focus on what you want. Remember what I talked about? Don't focus on what you don't want because that's what you're creating. You focus on what you want. And then you reset. It's just like, just like my iPhone. It was probably the same thing. If it gets stuck, turn it off and turn it back on. It's reset the factory settings. And I can, mm -hmm. you can roll. That's, That's what we have to do mentally when we make yes. mistakes. Not just athletes. That like you talked about, when we get stuck, we make a mistake. Can we bring compassion and forgiveness and say, when I know better, this is what Dr. Maya Angelou, 
one of her sayings I love, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. So no, no, no blame, no being critical, just notice what needs to change mm -hmm. and then go from there. And the rich get richer because when you understand that, you automatically do it because you know that why would you take confidence from yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, confidence is really important. Absolutely. What do you think is the, the, the best way to build confidence and self-belief and overcome self-doubt for people? Depends on the situation, but I think the main thing is to be able to listen to that those voice inside of you. So obviously prayer and meditation, focusing on what you want, uh, cultivating that hope, optimism, and faith that I talked about, mm -hmm. having social support. So, so there's this thing I talk about, predicting success in a job, uh, Sean Accor, happiness advantage, mm -hmm. talks about the research that says there's three things that are important. The positive genius, what I talked about, the hope, optimism, and faith, cultivating a positive mindset. Second thing is social support. So it's not just being around somebody and commiserating, but being around people who are in relationships, like you talked about, your mentor, that are encouraging you the only way out is through and that you're not by yourself and you have help. And then the third thing is seeing the crisis as an opportunity or seeing it as a challenge. And like we said before, people don't look at things as challenges. They just look at, oh, that's bad. I don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, no, this is an opportunity for me to learn something. And even if I don't want to do it for myself, my kids, I want my kids or I want mm -hmm. to impact society in a way where people are saying yes to life and not know the life and are leveling up and embracing challenge, seeing opportunity rather than staying back and, and being reactive to be proactive and mm -hmm. to really talk about how, how can you express yourself, that masterpiece within. It, it, it comes out when, when, when it's challenged. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You taught a lot of people over the years and coached people and you know, you were saying before that you learn a lot when you're teaching, right? You get some of the yes. best lessons when you're teaching mm -hmm. someone. Yes. What would you say were the three greatest lessons you think you learned from people you coached? Maybe there's someone well-known, maybe someone not mm -hmm. well-known. Um, but what would you say just like, wow, this person actually just gave me an incredible gift. Well, I'll give you lesson. two. Well, yeah. at the top of the head, you can only be yourself. Because if you don't know who you are, you can end up being anybody. Number one. Number two, if you don't know where you're going, you could end up going anywhere. Mm. Number two. And number three is you have a masterpiece inside, and when you ac access it, even a little bit of it, 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 it changes everything. Yeah. When you realize you have the power to do whatever you need to do, you can learn whatever you need to learn, and that you don't have to do it alone. So it's really more about understanding who you are and where you're going, and that you have everything you need to succeed. Mm -hmm. How did you have confidence when you're coaching some of these, you know, superstars? How mm -hmm. did, when some of these guys and gals have some of the powerful mindset out there, mm -hmm. you know, how did you, as a coach and a, and a teacher, make sure you went in there with confidence, knowing that you could contribute to to these people as well? Yeah. Sometimes, be honest with you, I pray. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, that, I focus on my masterpiece and knowing if I could be still and know and just trust that the universe was lawful, just trust that my higher power, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, that if I was aligned with divine will, I was going to be fine. So that I means love, how can I help, how can I serve, not worrying about, so forgetting myself to find myself in that case is 
not worrying about how I'm going to perform or That's how they're so going to take me, but focusing on how I can surf. And just coming from my own experience, knowing from my own experience and being authentically myself. So understanding that if I can be still and know and come from the love, come from the inside out and how can I help? So the two questions I usually ask people that I work with are teams is, what do you want? And then the question is, are you willing to be who you need to be to do what you want? Mm. Those two questions, it's really simple. It doesn't matter who you are. It's like, okay, here's what's happening. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to react to it or respond to it? And if you understand you have everything you need to succeed and you have that will to win. Remember I talked about the, the desire to succeed, the will to succeed. If you have that and you realize that it's going to take as long as it takes, but if you sustain your attention, mm -hmm. if you're paying attention, then you're going to learn what you need to learn and you're going to do what you, you have to do. And even if you don't get the result you want, if you can walk away and say, I gave everything I had, that's a winner. Absolutely. Where you, no regrets. I, I was fully engaged in what was happening and sometimes... That's the way it is. You don't always win, but mm. you win when you are, when you got better today, when you Absolutely. played your best, when you express your potential. In that moment, yeah. In that moment. My friend Rory Vaden says, it's hard to be nervous when your heart's on service. And I used to- Yes, I, I like that one. That's a, I'm a, that's a keep on my still. Yeah, my buddy Rory, Rory Vaden, <laughs> that's his quote. It's hard to be nervous when your heart's on service. Right. Yeah. For years, I would be nervous before a game, a speech, whatever it might be, an opportunity to, to present something. And it wasn't until maybe six years ago, seven years ago, where I reached out to a coach and I, right before a big speech. And I'd been speaking. I did Toastmasters as well because that mm -hmm. was my big fear. Right. And I overcame the fear of, and I, the, having the skills to be able to present an idea in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. It took me a year to really get there. Every week practicing at Toastmasters. Terrified in the beginning. And years later, after I'd been speaking professionally for a while, um, I was still getting nervous like the day before, and I didn't understand why. I was like, I should be better by now. I was judging myself was the first thing. Mm -hmm. But I reached out to a coach, and I said, I don't know why I'm still nervous. This was about an hour before a big speech. I go, mm -hmm. what can I do? And he said, you're focused on yourself, not on the audience and serving. He's, mm -hmm. he's like, no, you're going to... The, make a mistake. No, you're yeah. not going to remember every line or every point right. or joke or whatever. Stop thinking about you and what people think of you and start focusing your energy and attention on how you can be of service to them. Mm -hmm. And that was a big shift for me. And, you know, I still maybe get a little nervous here and there, but it's like whenever I feel that insecurity, I just think I'm not going to be 100% perfect and that's okay. But if I put all my energy on the message, the mission of what I want to get across and focus on that, Realizing I'm not the best speaker in the world, and I'm trying to mm -hmm. do that, mm -hmm. then it relieves the nerves. Yeah, well, it's, you, it's helpful. You forgot yourself to find yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's so I'd like to say a couple of things about nerves. It's not the nervousness that's the situation; it's how you react or respond to it. Uh -huh. So I'll give you an example. Every, well, people don't know, but Bill Russell. I grew up in Boston, so I watched the Celtics, and Bill Russell won 11 championships in 13 years. 11 championships from 13 years. It's crazy. And he used to get nervous before a game to the point where he, he would have to throw up. And one game he was he was uh, before the game and Red Auerbach said, Russ, did you throw up? Yeah. He said, no. He said, go in the locker room and don't come up until you, can, until you do. Well, what's that about? Because he knows when he's nervous, 
He plays his best. Really? And part of the nervousness could be for a lot of reasons. It could be maybe because you want it so badly or whatever. But in the moment of the game, if you change your consciousness or your focus from being nervous to doing the next thing, I call it the, the some people talk about the win, W-I-N. And what does that mean? What's important now? Yeah. So if you manage the moment, it doesn't matter how you feel or how you see things. If you make the next, if you manage this moment, then the next moment goes, the next moment goes. So it's not about, we have this interpretation that we're nervous because there's people who are not nervous and then in a moment of truth they're nervous even though they weren't nervous before mm -hmm. and that one second could make all of the difference, you know, making a, making a play or whatever. So we have to realize that stuff can happen but it's always about the mindset and it's always about what's important now. Managing this moment and, and forgetting yourself to find yourself. When you're in flow, there's no self-consciousness there. Yeah. You're just, you're doing the thing in and of itself. You're not focused on the results because you're focused on the results. That's where a lot of the nervousness might come from because you're focused out there instead of being in here and just managing the moment. And that's the most important thing is right now there's nothing wrong. Right now there's nothing wrong. Think <laughs> of how profound that is. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. But if we think about the past or the future or if we say, yeah, but, then it's a problem. But if we just say there's nothing wrong, and just focus on what you're doing. Even if you make a mistake, correct it in real time mm -hmm. and keep it moving. But that's too, comp that's too simple. We have complicated minds, but that's it. It's like, so you're nervous, so what? Like with me, I was shaking, I was nervous. And the more I tried not to shake, I shook. It's like this, and then once I just said, I don't care. I just, <laughs> I'm gonna be a shaking fool. I'm gonna be the best, shaking the, the most <laughs> nervous there, person there ever was. Yeah, yeah. Now once you do that, you change your relationship to it. Mm -hmm. And then you don't make it a thing. Then it totally transforms everything. Yeah. So that's it. So that so you're absolutely right. It worked for you. As long as you focus on service, you won't be nervous. But even if you are nervous, who cares? The thing is, can you make the play even if you are nervous? Mm -hmm. Can you do the next thing? Can you, what's important now? And if you focus on what's important now and forget yourself and just focus on the task, then you find yourself. That's yeah. the paradox. That's one of my Georgisms. Forget yourself to find yourself. Yeah. Once you get out of the way and just let what's inside of you, your divinity, express itself and being real and, and being authentic. So being authentic means you're nervous, you're expressing your nervousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's your relationship to it. In that space, how are you going to respond to it in a way where it actually helps you get to the next level? Yeah. So you had a drug addiction for a while, is that right? How long was that period of time for? I can't, couldn't really tell you. I know I stopped in 1984, but I was, I don't know, 15, 20 years, whatever. What do, you, what do you think is the root cause of addiction in general? Why people get addicted to substances? And then also, what was the biggest lesson you learned from your recovery, from rehab, recovery, and, and getting off of that? Yeah, well, not speaking, that's a big question to speak about it, but I think... The nervous system is programmed to, to go for things that is that's pleasant, you approach things that are pleasant, uh, avoid things that are unpleasant, and space out if it's neither pleasant or unpleasant. Now, the neutral that's positive is when you're in equanimity or when you're in the center in the eye of the hurricane, where there's, um, there's not a preference. It's not indifference. So you're not moving towards or moving away. You're just holding mm -hmm. your center and just observing things. I just didn't want to be in my experience for whatever reason. I was trying to get away from, from reality. 
and I found a way to I could hide out or I could just kind of dull the pain or mm-hmm. numb it. And sometimes people just start using drugs and alcohol because it's the thing to do. And then some of us, because we we get addicted to it, we need it more and more. And so it wasn't. I think the most important thing is just to notice that that I was doing things that got to the point where I was just, you know, I was a functional addict, you know, mm-hmm. I still worked and everything, but it, it was robbing me of myself. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like people, some of us, my father was an alcoholic, so I, you know, all my uncles, I probably came, there's some, some part that's just nature and nurture. But I think the main thing was that, you know, I found out, well, for me, especially, I was, I was always drinking, all right, but with, with, the, with the alcohol, I mean, with the drugs, it just made me feel more, um, it got rid of some of my inhibitions, and I felt like I could just, you know, it was just, it just changed, changed me. It gave me, gave me um, courage and stuff yeah. like that when I think about it. So, but it doesn't matter so much how you start. What matters is that once <laughs> you start, you can't stop. Yeah. And, and some of us, some people could, could do it in safety. I couldn't. So it wasn't until my butt was on fire when I realized that I had an issue. And so I had to come to the realization that, that if I don't take a drink or a drug, I won't get high, I won't get drunk. And so the, the best lesson for me is that it was a way for me to deal with life and I wasn't dealing with me. I wasn't going inside mm. and dealing with my with my greatness, with my masterpiece, with my ability to just be myself in spite of what everybody else was wanted me to be. Because people will tell you who you should be or who they want you to be. And when we're being authentic and authentic or when we're doing what we're supposed to do instead of doing what we want to do, that creates a whole I mean, there's a lot of conflict, there's, there's a lot of self-hate, who knows? It could be a lot of reasons, but to me, I just didn't know how to deal with life on life's terms. I'll just put it as simply as that. And then once once I got clean, now I had to deal with that dealing reality Ooh. for the first time, and that was, was that? overwhelming my nervous system. It was really challenging. So I, I had chronic pain, I had all kinds of stuff, so that's when I got into meditation and, wow. and, and some of the mind-body, experiences but the main thing I learned was the mind and body are connected and that I am responsible and it's an inside job mm-hmm. so that was the lesson for me is wow. that it's up to me I can't worry about what you're doing I got to focus on what George can do George can't drink George can't do drug George is not interested in this so I was doing all the other stuff until when I got clean that's when I just started saying I'm going to do what I want to do I'm going to take responsibility for me and and what resonates with me. And I don't really, I still cared about what other people thought, but I kept weaning off of that until I got to the point that the only opinion, the most important opinion is my opinion of myself Mm. and me doing what I needed to do and continuing to embrace that. So that's challenging. I'm still, you know, I feel like 40 years later, I'm better at it, but it's something that's constant. Like you talked about uh, nervousness or fear. It can you can get traumatized anytime. Anytime I was working, actually, I was working with with the Lakers during the championship run against Boston, and I go in there, and this voice says, "You shouldn't be there. They don't want to hear from you." Inner voice. Inner voice. Yeah. Because of my training, I said, "Oh, that's interesting," <laughs> but I ain't listening to you. I got work to do. <laughs> sure. You know? But but that but you see what I'm saying. But for me, I've been doing this for a long time, 
And a moment, you can have a voice or you could, you could have fear or you could have nervousness or whatever. But when you're a professional, which I think really helps me in my role, as a professional, it doesn't matter how I feel. Yeah. I just have to show up and do up and do, you know, show up and show out. So it can happen at any time. But it's, it's me creating that space and being able to observe it and not judge myself. So, oh, that's interesting. The sound from the peanut gallery, I call it the negative committee. <laughs> it was just, okay, so it could be there like background music and just go and do what I needed yeah. to do. And no one knew the difference. No one knew it. It was just me, but it was a blip. But that could have sabotaged the whole thing. Absolutely. I could have just said, well, you know, I'm not feeling good. I see you like, well, come on, they're on the championship run. You can't, can't do that. No, you and show so, up. Step up or so, step out, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so it happens, but the training of being able I can't explain, I mean, I can't overstate how important it is for us to be able to be in a moment and observe the experience as this silent witness from the eye of the hurricane and just notice it without judging, without being critical, without pushing it away, pulling it towards you. Then once we get the intel, then, then out of that silence, there's a knowing. I can't really explain it. There's a knowing that there's some part of you that knows what to do, that masterpiece, that, that divinity within just knows what to do. We call it intuition sometimes, mm-hmm. it, but it's a gut feel. It could come as a gut feeling, but it's just a knowing. But a lot of times I tell people, I don't have no idea what I'm doing, but it's great. <laughs> and that is because I'm not in there, but I'm letting, I'm being like what? I'm just going with the flow. Okay, I hear that. Okay, you got your opinion. And thanks for sharing that, but I got, I got to do my job. I have to be present and staying in the moment. And then like you said, when you serve, you know, when you focus on service, you're not nervous. And, and it's the same thing as when you focus on how you're going to help somebody, you forget yourself. But by helping others, you're also helping yourself. And then when you get through it now, and I notice this answering that voice, that voice is not there so much. But a lot of us have been traumatized in one way or the other. Or once again, here I am on a major stage in prime time. And then things could happen. Things could happen. Something comes up, and I was fortunate enough to be able to not listen and, and just focus on the task. And that's why I think being a professional, what I mean by that is being a professional when you do a job or you go the extra mile, you do it, you forget yourself, and you just focus on the task. And it doesn't mean I don't take care of it later, but it means unless I can't breathe, I'm going to do what I can do. I can show up and show mm-hmm. up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. What was the biggest lesson you learned about yourself from the rehab recovery process then, would you say? When we can't express ourselves, uh, there's there's something, there's not a feeling of wholeness, I'll tell you that. It's, you know, like having two sides, you know, like just really trying to hide our secret self, Mm -hmm. not wanting anybody to know who who it is. So so this surreptitious kind of sense of being, I'll show you who I want you to see, but you can't really see my real self, and mm-hmm. I was identifying with that negative stuff instead of identifying with the masterpiece of saying, okay, that's the fear wolf, you're feeding that. Stop feeding that and feel, feed the love wolf. They're both there, but the one that's gonna, gonna win the battle is the one that you feed. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think, I, to be honest with you, I so focused on getting high and, and, and stuff, I didn't really have time to think about stuff like that. Right. It was just survival. When you're in survival mode, you're not thinking about tomorrow. 
or yesterday, you're focused on the next thing, mm-hmm. putting out the next fire and that yeah. sort of thing. And I think for me, I was just thinking about how am I going to get high? When, when am I going to drink? Or how am I going to get through this? And it was nothing positive. There wasn't something that I was looking forward to. And like say, okay, I'm going to go on vacation or, you know, I'm going to have this this spell of really positive results in whatever I was doing, work right. level or play. Right. It was more a consumption of, of just trying to not be present. Was there a mentor or someone you saw or an yes. incident what, what, or was there someone died? Or there was a couple or? of things. One thing was I was riding around with uh, like 100, 405 degree temperature. I had a strep infection. And because when you're drunk, when you're dope sick and when you're having that, it feels like a bad cold and, and all sorts of things. So I had no idea, but I had to go to the hospital and then they kept me for five days. And so when I got out of the hospital, a couple of weeks after that, a friend of mine that I used to get high with came by my house on April Fool's Day, and he took me to AA meeting. On April Fool's? On April Fool's. But I'm looking at it said, dude, man. Is this a joke? Like- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, dude, he's a dope fiend. Look at him. He's so, yeah. what'd you do, man? It was like, it got my attention. And, and that's the first time I had real hope. Hmm. I hoped that, oh, there's a way for me. Then I went to the meeting, you know, the AA meeting, and... Then I saw other people that were had the same issue I had, but they were sharing their experience, strength, and hope. And it gave me a vision, a possibility mm. that, okay, I could do this. It took me months after that, but I went into a detox for 21 days. And when I came out of there, it was very interesting because I think it's the first time I ever saw my house. First time you saw your house? Mm-hmm. Really saw it. Where I was really living on life Present. and life's like, oh, I never, I've never gone 21 days without having some kind of drug or some kind of wow. living in fantasy or something where I was dealing with life on life's terms for the first time at 32 and a half. But it's a blur. And it was just kind of like in and out of my own little fantasy. But I didn't know I was in there until I got sober and I started seeing clearly. Mm. Wow. So it was profound. And it was even more so because when I, went, when I was going into the detox, I heard this voice say to me, if the St. George that goes in there comes out, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so wow. I knew I had to be different. Yeah. And of course, that's partly because um, that that implicit learning I got being around recovery and people who were clean, that I believe that I probably uh, is what they call implicit and non-declarative learning. I think there was some stuff there that I got that told me that. And I was mm-hmm. on methadone program before, so I knew taking methadone when I went in there trying to detox in 21 days was not going to work. Right. So wow. So this was thirty-seven years ago. This is nineteen eighty-four. Yeah, thirty-seven, thirty-eight years ago. I guess. Yeah, it'll yeah. be thirty-eight years in July. Wow. After going through that, man, everything is a blessing, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, life is is amazing compared to what it used to be. I want to ask you a question about fears. We talked about it a little bit before. You know the uh, the the, ther- the fear therapy expo- exper- exposure therapy. Yeah. And really, you know, facing the fear, the only way uh, is out is always through and exposing yourself to it, to feeling it, and then going more into it. But you don't it. have to go look for it. It's there. It's oh, just, yeah. just how you... To lean into it. Yeah, lean, lean into it. To embrace it, is what you said. Yeah. Um, what do you think people are afraid more of? The fear of failure, success, or the judgment? The other people's opinions about them. I'm going to go back to FDR during World War II. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. So it's a mindset, it's, mm-hmm. it's being in that survival mode. I think that'll cover everything. And we cover, we talk about dealing with fear, doubt, and insecurity. 
but I think it's hard to know what what people are going through because it's not you can't paint it with a broad brush. But I will say that they're in survival mode. I guarantee you that, mm-hmm. that they're in survival mode, where they're doing either fighting, fleeing, or freezing, which is numbing out or just not being there, right? In that in that kind of indifference. And so that's what I think. So when we think about it, it's hard to get into all of the complexes and and the psychological um, terminology that mm-hmm. we have for you know character disorders or psychosis and neuro- neurosis. I think the main thing we need to understand is that they're in survival mode, so they're either fighting, fleeing, or or being frozen and and feeling like life is happening to them and they don't have the ability to respond to things rather than react to things. And they don't even know the difference between reacting and responding. I didn't. I was just reacting all the time. But then once I realized that I could pause and reflect and I could actually think about things before I did them, and then even while I'm doing them, I can reflect on, is this working, is it not, and then adjust in real time. And then afterwards, true understanding comes from reflecting on experience. So reflecting on, okay, so I used to get high or... I got clean or I got through this. How did I do that? And so when I talk about people being mindful of their behavior, we need more of let's catch each other doing something right. What works? Attitude of gratitude. Absolutely. Grateful heart. It's just saying, okay, as long as I'm breathing, it's more right with me than wrong with me. The life I used to live before, now this little stuff, this is nothing compared to that. But if you look at it and say, okay, what's the lesson here? And this is an adventure. We're on an adventure. Then I come from that hope, that hall of fame, hope, optimism, and faith, mm-hmm. and say, okay, there's something here. There's an opportunity for me to be a service, like you talked about. Be a service, not nervous. And then, then it's a totally different experience. So it's my attitude, and that's the self-regulation, self-regulated thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Well, I'm choosing joy today, joy now and never. I'm choosing compassion. I'm choosing love. I'm choosing to be present. I'm choosing to fully deploy myself. That changes everything. Yeah. And so that's the habit. Get into that habit of saying, okay, what is this and how am I going to relate to it in a way that's in alignment with my core values? Do I have core values? Do I have a worthy cause? What is my intention? So if you're trying to impact 100 million people or billion people, then you have to be engaged in that day to day. You have to have a strategy in which you are you are getting this progressive realization of a worthy ideal where your success is on a moment to moment, day to day basis. Because when you get off, you get back on. You talked about it. That's all. It doesn't matter. It's a zigzag. It's not straight. Yeah. So when you get off, all you got to do is get back on. Don't judge. What did you learn? And keep it moving. Mm hmm. I love this stuff, man. You've got uh, some amazing wisdom and lessons and experiences um, that I hope everyone dives into more. You've got, uh, you do a, a weekly show on Instagram, is that right? Or a weekly like YouTube thing? I do YouTube. YouTube Being at thing. home with George during yes, COVID. Yes, yes. And, and last week I talked about this idea of a, a grateful mind is a great mind and it attracts mm-hmm. great things to you. So grat- mm-hmm. attitude of gratitude. And I want to acknowledge Titnan Han's passing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my teaching comes from, you know, he's been inspirational. He's been a person that has led the way to mindfulness in daily life or bringing this contemplative practice to everyday folks. Yeah. And just really talking about it in ways that makes a lot of sense. You know, compassion, 
love um, just smiling and and embracing people's uh, divinity, yeah. and seeing the greatness in in everyone, and and just training the mind and the heart to be open. You've got a you've got a course out right now, right? Yes, I have a course I've been teaching for the last three years. It's called the Mindful Athlete Course Online, mm-hmm. and what what I've done with it is so. You sign up for the course, you're in it for life. And so we have actually next week, we have a quarterly call. So each quarter we have a call where people can get on it. But in the spring, we'll have a six-week study group. This past uh, November, uh, October, November, we did a study group called Being Courageous. So what we do is we go over six, six weeks. You know, once a week we'll get together and we'll have an hour call. So... We'll do a little practice, and then we'll go over the homework, and, and I'll say a little little something. But it's mastering those five superpowers I talked about. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness, uh, effort, concentration, yeah. insight, and, and faith. Mm-hmm. And so we apply those to a, a topic, like the last one, being courageous. How, how, to, how to be courageous, how to feel the fear and do it anyway. And what's what's the relationship between being courageous and faith? You know, your your courage. You know, it means your this fear. We talk about fear. You feel the fear and do it anyway, or you you have to have faith. Faith helps you to be courageous because you don't know what's going to happen, but you know something good's going to happen yeah. if you just show up and show out, and you're true to your. You know, you just learn from your mistakes. You just yeah. kind of do that. So we go through it over and over. Is what we what I call circular learning. I read my book uh, probably 47 times. Wow. And this last time I'm reading it, it's interesting because I have this client of mine who goes into prison and he's using my book. And so we go over each one of those superpowers. And so, of course, me being a recovering perfectionist, I You're going it. over it all the time. I go over it. And each time I go over it, I learn something new. And I say to myself, man, this is a really good book. Who wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I say that because I wasn't there when I wrote it. I just was expressing that yeah you know, it was flowing through you it was flowing through me but I, I keep reading it and each time i read it I, it gets a little bit deeper it gets more my psyche so mm. when i said to you the best way to learn something is to teach it because when you teach it what you give comes back to you but also you you have to you have to understand what you're saying in a way and then you have to present it to other people so it it encourages me encouraging encourages us to know that if you have something you share it with your family your friends you talk about it it gets more into your psyche because you you repeat it over and over so you keep going over this idea that you embrace whatever comes up that's what i talk about embrace and generate the hope you have to keep finding the courage to say yes and to say what's the lesson here right and then kind of move through that so yeah so i have the i offer these things i have a I have a master class on dealing with anxiety during the time of COVID, and I'll do more master classes, and I'm developing a youth course. And the other thing is I'm writing a new book. It's going to be about um, unlocking our potential or mm-hmm. embracing our masterpiece, discovering the masterpiece within nice. something along that line, but it's really more about how I got through that, you know, my experience and how I teach people. But the idea is you talk about this idea of being happy when you're doing something that, you know, when your work is happy, your Absolutely. work life is happy and that sort of thing, then you're happy 
And my thing is that if you're being your authentic self and you're living and you're embracing that masterpiece within, it's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. So no matter work, love, and play, you're going to bring this this aliveness to it, yeah. and this quality of authenticity and and being present and getting beyond the illusion of separateness. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what we need a lot now because we have people who are at each other, crazy things, and mm -hmm. we just need to know we're all connected. And the best way is to do it together and not stop demonizing each other and stop talking at each other but they realize that I and the other are one and then how about just seeing that just like me that person wants to be happy just like me a person suffers absolutely yeah so we have to get to a place and it's not polyamorous because I come from a really challenging background and all that stuff um I'm not a simpleton I I'm not talking about anything that I haven't experienced or witnessed and I know we can do much better if we can remember who we are. Because like I said, yeah. if you don't know who you are, you can end up being anybody. And if you don't know where you're going, you can end up going anywhere. So why not decide to be yourself and to go where you want to go? The Mindful Athlete, the book, uh, Mindful Athlete course. You got the master class on anxiety. They can get everything at georgemumford.com. Is that right? georgemumford.com. That's right. And they can follow you. What's your main social media platform you're on the most? Instagram? Uh, Instagram, uh, mostly Facebook, okay. YouTube. Um, yeah, like you, man, I want to reach a billion people. That's big. Yeah, I probably won't do it uh, in this <laughs> lifetime, but maybe I will. You never know. I, I never know, but to me, I I, I don't know. I asked you because I don't know where that number came from. Mm -hmm. I just put it out there. I want something that's going to stir me and encourage me to just yeah. really get out of my comfort zone and to really just go out there, get beyond the realms that I'm normally in and then just embrace more realms. So if I only if I only got 20 people or 100 people, I'd be, that would make a difference. Mm -hmm. But I know I'm reaching more than that. Sure. And, and it's not like I'm reaching it. I just want people to be themselves. Yeah. I just want people to know that they have a masterpiece and that they can develop it and only they can develop it. Mm -hmm. But my platform is to help them do that. That's great. Yeah. Exciting stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple final questions. This is called the three truths. Okay. So imagine you get to live as long as you want to live, but it's the last day for you on earth. And you accomplish everything. You reach the billion people, you do whatever you want to create, mm -hmm. and you have the life you want. Uh, but for whatever reason, everything you've created has to go with you or it has to go somewhere else. So it's not here available for us anymore. But you get to leave behind three lessons to the world, three things you know to be true that you would share. And this is all we would have from, mm -hmm. your, from your teachings and your information. What would you say are those three truths for you? You have a masterpiece that you can develop. Number two, only you can develop it. And number three, the quality of your life is going to be a reflection on how much you develop. It can be developed and only you can develop it. And to the degree that you develop it, the quality of your life and the quality of your service is going to be a reflection of mm -hmm. it. If you only develop it a little bit, you'll, at the end of your life, you'll be like, oh, look at all this I did not develop that I could have. Yeah. And you'll be frustrated or resentful or regretful. And I hope at my last days that I can continue to be in joy, joy now and never, and and to just be as loving and as present as I can mm, be. That's beautiful. Yeah. I want to acknowledge you, George, for how you have transformed your life and how you've used your lessons for service. You mm -hmm. know, it's I've never been addicted to, to drugs or alcohol. I've never been drunk or high in my life, believe it or not, because I saw what it did to yeah. certain people in my life. And mm -hmm. 
My brother was in prison for many years for drugs, for selling yes, drugs. Yes, yes. And so I guess fortunately I got to learn from other people mm -hmm. and realize I don't want to go down that route. So it kind of scared me, but I think right. it, it helped me as an athlete and other things. So I don't know what that, that feels like, but I do know how challenging and almost seeming impos impossible it is for people to overcome addiction. For a lot of mm -hmm. people, it seems almost impossible for a lot. Mm -hmm. So for you to overcome that and wake up for yourself and realize I'm going to use myself for good and develop into who you've become now is really inspiring. So, And the fact that you're doing it at such a high level to serve people, mm -hmm. you know, anyone listening or watching and people of all spectrums of life from high achievers to people that just feel stuck. I really uh, acknowledge you for the gift that you've become and the gift you keep sharing to the world. So, well, thank you. I'll, I'll take that in. I mean, that's, that's powerful, but I believe that's why I'm here. Yeah. I'm just course. being myself. Yeah. About being myself, being a service. So thank you for saying that. And, and that's my challenge is continue to, to take that in. But, uh, I love helping people. I love yeah. everybody, man. Yeah. So why wouldn't I? You love what you labor for and you labor for what you love. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Final question, what's your definition of greatness? My definition of greatness is is doing, getting better today. Mm. Doing, expressing your, yourself as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, that's greatness is just getting out of yourself and just being real, just being the best version of yourself. Mm. Uh, whatever you do. So it's about not what you do, it's what you bring to it and who you are being. So greatness is somebody who's going to show up and, and be themselves consistently and in a way where they're progressing. So they're getting better each day. That's greatness. Mm. It's every time you, you do something, it, it changes people. It, it, it makes things better. But it gives this realization that we have this unlimited potential. And that if we, if I get better today, I'm being great mm -hmm. today. But once again, I'll go back to my quote for my last week. A grateful mind is a great mind. And a great mind attracts great things to it. Absolutely. So greatness is being grateful and being great. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys. So share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium bang and a Lufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.